The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to a special edition of the Power Cat Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, your trusty host, I hope so. Uh, Rowdy Gates has, does not have a microphone, and we've kicked Zach Carlson out of the room, because that's all fitting. Because we have three special guests with us today. Three former Kansas State football players here to talk about Bill Snyder, his retirement, which took place Sunday, and, of course, what is ahead for Kansas State football, and maybe we'll get into some fun stories. We're joined, of course, by Marcus Watts, our football analyst at Go Cat, who was at Kansas State from 1932 to 2007. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. Roughly 2002 to 2007, because he did gray shirt first and uh, then uh, graduated college at age 72. He's been around a while. But Marcus is right in the middle because he was around for Bill Snyder's first retirement, then played, unfortunately, for Ron Prince. Also with us is another safety, Monty Spiller, who played at Kansas State in 93 and 97. So he was Snyder 1.0. And, of course, Travis Tannehill, Snyder 2.0, played from 09 to 2012. Welcome, guys. Um, <clears throat> I think we were all expecting this today. Uh, Travis, I'm going to start with you. Still, it's surprising. When it finally comes out, I mean, we had a story written, and it was still like, it actually happened. He actually retired again. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. just like you said, it actually happened, and he, you know, finally decided to step down, which we've kind of been I mean, I honestly, going even back to my senior year, 2012, like, I was like, yeah, he might retire after this year. So literally since 2012 and on, it's kind of just been a yearly thing. And this year, obviously, the most pressure and probably the, the hardest uh, or the loudest feelings coming out from the fan base and from everyone that um, this should maybe be the year. So it, it's uh, it's still kind of, I don't know, see how I feel in the morning. But it's, right know. now I'm still like, I, I, is he really done? He might, can, can he retract it in the morning? Because it's still just a weird feeling. You just feel like you're going to wake up in the morning and he's going to send out a tweet for the first time in three years i'm back yeah exactly <laughs> Monty, you played for him uh back when his legs were fresh so to speak when uh the program was just building and really turned the corner um may, may i point out it turned the corner the second you left <laughs> it got got into 98 but right you were here really during the glory years that when the bowls started yeah the really fun time when the fan base took off um, how hard has it been to kind of see this winding down of the Snyder years instead of coming to maybe a, a, a nice ending after 2012 or even 13 or 14 and just kind of see the life come out of this? Yeah, it, it's been difficult. Um, you know, we, we've been spoiled the last 20, 25 years, give or take. And, and, and in the last couple of years, uh, guys are competing still, but just not like the team of old. You know, and it's one of those things where uh, as, a, as a fan – uh, and a former player, you know, I try to bite my tongue, but sometimes it's frustrating. And you see things the average fan don't see. And uh, you want the best for the current players and coach for that matter. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. Marcus, when it, we knew he was going to be retired or retire. Put it that way. He was, this was it for him. Still, it, until it was done, he kind of felt like Bill Snyder would dig in his heels so much he'd win that argument. And he didn't. And, and he's gone now. I mean, 
as a guy who was around the first time around when he retired, is this deja vu or does this feel more final? I mean, a lot of it, you know, brings back so many emotions from the first time. The first time was completely out of the blue, unexpected. Nobody saw it coming. Um, you know, we were all in shock when he told us in the locker room that evening on that Monday night. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to expect. Um, the good thing is, is, you know, they've been through this kind of, you know, because with him and then with Prince, they've been through a coaching change uh, inside the athletic department. So they kind of ex- know what to expect or what to do and how to how to treat the players and how to prepare them for a new coach coming in and all that. So, But even after it was done, I was like, man, I'm kind of sad still. You know, it's, it's one of those things like you never – you knew it was going to come to an end. Um, you knew it probably should have came to an end earlier than it actually did. Um, but, but still, it's, it's tough to swallow, tough to think about the future of where the program's going. Because right now, as we're sitting here, we still don't know 100% who the next coach is going to be. Yeah, we've got a lot of suspicions, and we're tracking that at gopowercat.com. And blatant ad here, we've got a special up now. Sign up, uh, monthly plan, and you'll get three months free. So one month paid, three months free, gets you right up to spring football. Monty, uh, when you played for him, um, talk about what those days were like when Kansas State football, um, you know, got up off the mat literally from being just a shell of a football program to 93, the Copper Bowl, and then it just really seemed to build a head of steam. In the moment, were you aware of what was happening and how good the program was becoming? I, I had no clue, to be honest with you. Coming from Texas, um, um, I came in with a bunch of good guys, Chris Candy, um, Deshaun Fogel, local guy here, just a bunch of um, – Got, there were a bunch of no-names at the time, but then after the fact, people knew very well who K-State was. But I had no idea. You know, I knew the team was special, and we had a bunch of guys that didn't like to lose, and they competed. Um, you know, Jamie Mendez, Kenny Mack, um, Thomas Randolph, those are secondary guys that I have happened to play with, Joe G, Joe Gordon. Those guys were confident. And Mario Smith, and we watched those guys practice, and we had that same attitude. And, and you know, going in – from the Big 8 to the Big 12, um, things got rolling. And, and, you know, the Big 8 was a little different than the Big 12. It was more smash mouth back then, and now it's kind of sling the ball all over the place. But we had no idea how good we were. But then after the Copper Bowl, the buzz kind of started. And I think we opened a lot of people's eyes to um, K-State football and exactly what Coach Snyder was doing. And uh, the, the future looked really bright. So you get him, Travis, when he comes out of retirement, and he had the fire back. The fire was gone when Marcus, you saw the fire go out. Um, he was just kind of tired, and the two back-to-back losing seasons had kind of beaten him up. Um, when did you know, holy crap, the old guy's got it still? I think probably that uh, sometime during that first uh, winter conditioning or spring conditioning, January, February. I mean, I don't know how many guys are on the team, 100, 110, somewhere around there, but I – I'm convinced he's had a number. He was like, we're going to kill these guys until we have 80 guys. And I know those 80 guys are going to be awesome guys who are loyal um, and they're and they're tough and they're going to be able to help this ball team win. But he came in and set a tone, you know, really from day one um, that this is going to be not how it was in the Prince era. This is going to be tough nose, smash mouth. We're going to work your to you know work you into the ground, and um, you know things are going to be tough, and we're going to do it the hard way, which is usually the right way. So, uh, really, from day one, uh, he definitely had that energy back, and really throughout, um, you know, when I left the program in 2012, that 12, that fire was still there, um, and he and you know he hired some great uh, assistants around him, some great people around him that were able to keep that fire going. Um, but really, from day one when he came back, I think he uh, he missed it and he was ready. 
Marcus, you, you had the transition. So kind of take us through that, playing for Coach Snyder and then Prince and the varying styles and practice and the whole thing. Well, yeah, things are going to change, obviously. Coach Snyder is probably one of the most difficult coaches to play for, and that's not a knock on Coach Snyder. It's just the way he was brought up, what he learned as a coach, you know, under Hayden Fry, you know, when he was at Iowa, um, in, in how much effort and time you have to put into to uh, make your craft um, successful at this level. And so kids nowadays, they just don't get that. They don't understand that. They don't understand the hard work that you have to put in. Yes, they still put in a lot of hard work. But, you know, when Monty played, they had two days for like three weeks, maybe even three days. You know, they don't do that kind of stuff anymore. They didn't even do it. When I came into K-State, that's kind of when two-a-days went away. We could go two-a-day, one-a-day, two-a-day. So we didn't have consecutive two-a-days. The kids nowadays don't know what it's really like to actually put in all that effort and hard work um, that Coach Snyder you know, instills into his program and demands out of his players. And the good thing about that is, is it weeds out the guys that aren't bought in, that aren't all in. And you don't have to really deal with that as much or had to deal with that as much at K-State. Well, then Prince comes in, you know, things get a little bit more lackadaisical. You know, practice go from two hours and 46 minutes to two hours, and then maybe it's a little bit more up-tempo. You go from full pads to half shells most of the time, and you're not wearing full pads, which is always great. Um, you know, but so the transition for these guys, you know, there's a lot of good things to look forward to, but it's, there's a lot of change. You know, things are going to change. Um, the only thing that I would ever say to any new coach that is coming into this program because um, of what I witness is do not blackball what was done before in this program. Because if you do that, you will see how fast a team will turn against you as a coach. Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's kind of go roundtable here. Did the game change a little bit on Bill Snyder? Not not the physical X's and O's, but the fact that the NCAA doesn't let you practice anymore those kind of hours. The NCAA doesn't even let you have the players around that much, which I find bizarre. You're in charge of these guys, but, oh, by the way, you can only be with them how many hours a week. Did, did things change to the point in the context of running a program that Coach Snyder's system just doesn't work quite like it did? The game definitely changed. I wouldn't say his program doesn't work, but it does um, kind of handicap and limit um, what we had as a culture here at K-State. You know, some programs, um, kind of like Marcus alluded to earlier, you know, going two hours, a little up-tempo, half-shell rather than full gear, that's for some programs. But we're a Midwest school. Um, we've always had that persona of we're going to outwork you with less talent per se and find a way to beat you. And when you come in and try to change that, it does affect you to a certain extent. And that's the kind of guys that we bring in, and that's what we win with. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, Coach has been pretty um, uh, negative, per se, against uh, you know some of the rule changes that have happened, um, whether that's full pads or um, even the, the new fra transfer rule this year and some of the things that have changed in the last 10, 15 years, which, um, which you know, he, he has his system and his – 
his philosophy that's proven that it, that it works. And then when someone, in this case the NCAA, is telling you you can't run your system the way you want to run it and your your program, um, you know I can see how that that's probably pretty frustrating for him. So, um, and, and some coaches have been able to adapt. He he has done something. Obviously, he's been forced to do some things differently. Um, and, and so it, it's unfortunate that that's the, what the NCAA has done. But everyone's being dealt the same cards. So um, hard to get too upset. And I just think uh, you know obviously he's a he's a put your time in, put your hours in, and that's always been his advantage, which has been hard to do as of late. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of these two guys here, he's a creature of habit. We all know that. And he likes things to be structured to the minute, to the second, every single day of the week. He knows what's going on at those times. The players know what's going on at the times. Um, you know, he adapted well, though, I believe. You know, I mean, 2012, you know, they were one game away from probably winning, playing for the national championship. You know, and then you go on, you know, they win a Big 12 championship. So he's adapted well and been able to still get the best out of his team and players. Um, it's just time was catching up. You know, there's no other way to put it. He was 79 years old. Um, you know, he went, battled through the throat cancer. Um, it was just time. And, you know, unfortunately, it ended the way it did with the season that they had this year. Um but even if they had a good year, I still think it was time. I've been saying that for the last couple of years. I still think he should have stepped away when the team was still kind of hovering around that eight-win, nine-win seasons and still had some life in it. Um, you know, this this season took a lot of life, it felt like, out of the program. But there is some players and some younger players within this program that can, if they instill and band together, can get this thing back going to where it was um, in the 90s late 90s, early 90s, you know, as they were building the foundation of this program. Well, let's pick it up there. Monty, you guys watch this football team play, um, but you see it from a different eye. You, you're former players. You've been through this. What kind of shape is this program in now as it transitions from Coach Snyder into someone else? I have, I've said, honestly, this was the year. They had to do it or it was going to continue to road and be – a much tougher job on the next guy. What is your assessment of the program right now? You know, you know, honestly, I don't think it's as bad as some people might, you know, want it to be or pan it to be. Yeah, we didn't have a winning season. We weren't 500. But um, kind of Mark, Mark said, we got some quality guys that, that if they come back and they buy into whoever may be the head coach system, we could compete in the Big 12 and, and, and have a good, a good season. And I honestly think, um, you know, with the decision being made that coach is now retiring, it kind of allows the young people in the um, program to make a decision like now. So, okay, I'm going to stay aboard. Let's get this thing moving. Whoever comes in, let's 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 right the ship and, and move forward. If you're third on the depth chart, your slate's wiped clean, isn't it, Travis? Absolutely. Brand new, it's an all new life. Yep, whole new life. You're you know you can go from shoot. I'm my true freshman year I came in at fourth and at the end of the spring ball I was first I mean a lot of that was because of injuries so I got kind of lucky but <laughs> it uh you know I was there I, I survived the, the the winter conditioning uh terribleness so um but yeah I mean it, it's it's a fresh light for everyone I mean you look at even some of the QB controversies between Delton and Skyler this year I mean those are all wiped clean there's no uh the new coach coming in will have no you know preconceived notions or ideas it's just going to be a clean slate for both those guys um you know I thought our defense did some exceptional things this well or this year um you know I thought Blake Sauer did a really nice job um, so I really you know I think we're two or three guys on each side of the ball away from from being a you know eight nine 10-win team compete for conference championships. So, um, And that's what this K-State team always seems to be, you know, in 2012. And we had some 
pretty good caliber. You know, we had two or three guys on each side of the ball. We had Harper, we had Klein, we had Lockett. Um, you know, we had Zimmerman on defense, and we just we're not seeing. We have a bunch of role players, and I'll be the first to admit I was a role player. So, um, which is totally fine. But you need two or three stars on each side of the ball, and right now, you know, we've just kind of been missing those. Uh, you know, we've had one or two, but we need two or three or four on each side of the ball uh, to really be able to compete for you know a conference championship. Yeah, and to piggyback off of Travis, you know, when he first came back, you know, when Coach Schneider came back, I bet their winter conditioning was probably the worst winter conditioning that they ever had at K-State in the four years that he was here. I almost quit every day. Yeah. Like it was bad. And so the, the new players probably can expect that from a new coach. He's going to test them. And so they got to understand that, yes, Coach Schneider's program was hard. This winter program this year is probably going to be ten times harder than what it would have been if Coach Schneider stayed. That's not a knock on Coach or anything, but it's just going to you know, let these players know, we're going to test you. We're going to see which players here are actually here to play and who's tough. Because, those, those, yeah, there might be some coaches retained. We don't know. It depends on all sorts of things. Um, you know, so they'll be able to fill the new coach in on who – who the players are, what they've seen, you know, with you know over the course of the years that they've been here, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, it's still a little wishy-washy on who the coach is going to be, whether it's going to be a family tree guy or whether it's going to be somebody off the family tree. Um, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? It's the great unknown. You went through it for three years, and we'll kind of get into that. Everyone wants to say, well, it's going to be just like it was the first time around, and we'll talk about that. And right after this break, we're going to get into some Bill Snyder stories and some former coach stories. I know Monty played for Bob Stoops, so that's kind of interesting. That's how old he is. He really is old. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. This is the Powercat Podcast, sponsored by both Robbins Motor Company and the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We'll be right back after this short break. The Power Cat Podcast continues shortly. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps autocorrecting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now return to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast, sponsored by Fritchell Silicon and Robbins Motor Company. As we do a special here tonight, the night of Bill Snyder's second retirement, when we assume final retirement from Kansas State. Don't put anything past him. <laughs> never say never. No, exactly. As Coach Snyder has stepped down as head coach of the Wildcats, 27 seasons over 30 years, three in the middle there with Ron Prince and. 
You know, I, let's just start here. I want to get into some of the great Bill Snyder stories, but everyone says it didn't work the first time. Money like Ron Prince uh, was the only choice out there, and that's what any choice will be like. Look, he didn't work. I mean, he wasn't an awful coach. He was an awful person. Um, and it, any hire, no matter if you're getting Nick Saban or some unknown, you don't know how it's going to work at that particular school in that particular environment. There's so many moving parts. But someone can come in and run with this. It's, it's not going to immediately mean Kansas State's mediocre forever. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, you know, there, there's hope. And, like, hopefully we learn from the first time around uh, with the Prince situation. And I think the um, powers that be understand that whoever comes in, it, it has to be a special individual because you're following Coach Snyder, no matter who it is. And you have to understand the culture of K-State and K-State football. And our fans, you know, I look at Nebraska. You know, how many head coaches have they had? Right. Exactly. And, and, and actually, nobody's gotten it right yet. Um, I think Scott Frost is on the right track. Uh, former player, great coach, proven outside of Nebraska. He comes home. And um, who's to say that happens in Manhattan? I don't know, but I think I, I know it's doable. Now, you played for Scott Frost when he was a GA at Kansas State. A lot of people may not even remember that. Uh, he was here on the coaching staff. Money brings up a good point. They, they kind of sifted through a number of, of guys. But if you look back through the years now, what Nebraska hired, um, they didn't hire good fits for their culture. Correct. Now, Scott, he's, you know, played at Nebraska, and, of course, he's going to get the culture. He's from Nebraska. Yeah, you don't have – but you don't necessarily have to be – a K-State guy to get the culture. And what I mean by that is Bill Snyder wasn't a K-State guy. He built this culture, but then we've had other people come in and coach here that weren't K-State guys. Charlie Dickey, you know, came in kind of at a weird time from off the tree, and it's been a very K-State guy. A person can come in, and I think this is Gene Taylor's biggest uh, emphasis here. You have to understand the people, the place, the unique problems that come with coaching at Kansas State and some of the benefits. And get that right, you're probably going to be off to a good start. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, some of that is bringing in a good staff, too. The first year that Prince came here, he had a really good coaching staff um, that brought a lot of fire into the players, um, and that helped. But then after that, you know, Prince, it all became about Prince. And when it becomes all about you as a head coach, you will lose this university, you will lose the fan base, you will lose the players, because that's not how – because what – I don't know what the roster's made up of, but most of them are made up of Kansas kids, your walk-ons, you know, and then the scholarships that you get. Um, so you got to understand what it's like to play at Kansas State, what it's been like for when Monty played, when the foundation that was built. you got to understand how it was built, what those players did to build it. Um, then you obviously – you know, you got these catbacker tours. Um, not a lot of universities do those types of things. And so as a coach, you got to be able to go out and do those things and connect with the fans on that level. And you're speaking to a lot of older people that have lived and breathed K-State football, that knew K-State football when it was – no wins for years on end to, and then to see actually Coach Snyder build this. So, you know, the quote unquote family, you got to be part of the family and you got to buy into that family um, to be successful here. And, you know, you can, he brought up Scott Frost. Scott Frost went into Nebraska knowing that whatever was going on there, he was going to have to tear it down and build it from the ground back up because the foundation was gone. The foundation for Kansas State is still there because the play, because Coach Schneider was here. So it's still there. 
some coach doesn't need to completely tear it down. They just got to rework it a little bit to more align with how football's played nowadays. Um, and obviously in the recruiting front is probably the biggest. Travis, what are the big changes that took place while you were in the program were these facilities? They went up around the stadium. I mean, it was an amazing transformation. Um, I mean, they tore it down and rebuilt it. It was incredible to watch the process. Yeah, Monty played what the locker room was just the locker room right now for K State. That's how big your building was. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, what locker room? <laughs> that's got to be a huge advantage. It is a huge advantage. I mean, now you've got kind of this. You know, for all the criticism John Curry has gotten, and some of it very deserved. That. He forced Bill Snyder to do that. He didn't want Bill Snyder did not want that facility. He didn't want change, and now it really helps whomever is coming in, and it helps bring in a good candidate. That's a nice football facility. Yeah, I think you just hit you know the nail on the head. Is who we bring in? They know as long as they can win some ball games and put a good staff together, they have the facilities in place that they're going to be able to go out and sit in kids' living rooms and sell Kansas State and sell the facilities, um, and, and you know at least have a chance. I mean, that's you know kids, you know they're 17, 18 years old making very big life decisions that you know who knows what's going through their head, um, but but to be able to have those facilities behind you, um, and and like you said, John Curry, I mean. I have a when I hear the negative things that are said about him, and and he was always good to me and my family, so I always enjoyed him, um, and he did a lot for this university. I just don't think he quite fit in the Manhattan, Kansas. He's a, he's a West Coast East Coast guy, which is not right or wrong. That's just who he is, um, and, and that's where I think Gene Taylor's much more. I mean. I love visiting with Gene Taylor. He's an old. He just seems like an old ball coach and an old ball player. Um, and it's like you're just, you know, talking to, talking to, sitting with your good, good friend on the couch watching watching a K State football game. So I think he fits uh, the athletic department much better. Um, and obviously he's got a, a big week, two weeks, month ahead um, with this decision. Probably his biggest, uh, you know, biggest hire of his career. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does. The facilities are in place now. We just got to put a, you know, put a good leader into that position and and, and watch the watch the foundation that's been set by Bill Snyder over the last 30 years, you know, launch and take flight and really continue off to even better things. Okay, let's get into the good stuff. Monty Spiller, give me a really good Bill Snyder story. Man, there's so many of them. <laughs> um, coach, um, you know, the I play defense, and so a lot of people don't know. Coach Snyder, he, you know, he's involved with everything, but he's more of an offensive coach than a defensive coach. And, and uh, the time I played, I was fortunate enough. I had Bob Stoops, uh, Mike Stoops, Brent Venables was here, Coach Levitt was here, uh, Coach Moe, um, <laughs> forever guy, he was here, uh, and a couple of other coaches. And I I noticed Coach walking around, and in between stations, some of the defensive guys was kind of jacking around a little bit, you know, and shooting water on each other and and we were at the grass fields and coach walks over and whispers something into coach Stoops's ear and so all of a sudden we you know the whistle the horn blows and we get back in the drills and uh the the tempo from laid back to enjoying ourselves um went from uh, from that to basically, all right, if you screw up, you, you know what. And I asked Coach Stoops, you know, what, what did he say to you? And Coach Stoops told me, if I told you, I'm going to have to send you home and take your scholarship away. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of left it at that. But um, Coach Snyder's one of those guys, very, very um, 
I'd say passive, but demands respect. You know, he didn't have to yell a whole lot, and he'd give you a look, and you knew, uh, you know, if he gave you a look, get right. You know, so uh, and there's a lot more stories I can tell you too, but I'm gonna let these young guys kind of jump in. This is also a PG podcast. <laughs> the older Bill Snyder was he more mellow, maybe? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we used to hear horror stories, you know, during camp. Guys from the '90s would come back and talk to us, give us a little pep talk, and um, and you know, they used to just tell us horror stories and be like, "Man, we we got, we got it pretty good. We should quit complaining." So, um, but. He definitely mellowed out a little bit, but I mean, I still have to go back to that first, uh, even that first spring ball. I mean, we, you know, that, that my freshman season, uh, what we go five and seven, I think, not, not a very good, uh, not a very good program, um, and so that first spring ball, I mean, it was, you would have thought we were a bunch of junior high girls out there. The way Coach Snyder, just not, he didn't talk down to us, but just the way he would approach it after a practice, like you know, we'd have, a, we felt like you know, we had a pretty good practice and like. You know, just not a positive thing to say, which is, you know, him pretty normal for him. So, uh, and, you know, looking back, once we got to 2011, 2012, and we figured out what good football was, it's like, man, he, this guy was right. We were not very good just because we could, you know, line up and not jump off sides. We thought we thought we were pretty cool. So, um, but, no, he, he's uh, probably my favorite, one of my favorite stories with Coach Snyder that involves me is, you know, I was a senior. I think it was might have even been bowl prep. It was pretty late into our senior year, and um, me and Braden Wilson were stretching. Uh, we were the leaders of the stretch stretch group, and uh, you know, Braden was about as hardworking and tough as they come. Um, and you know, practice, run through the brick wall. He'd you know tell you to line up two brick walls. So, um, and you know, I'm a senior. I'm like, Coach, I've proven to you time and time again on Saturdays I can block a middle linebacker. Why do I have to run through a middle linebacker on a Tuesday? And so he, me and him kind of we didn't see eye to eye on everything, um, and, and so we're in the stretch circle, and he just comes over to me and Braden. He just looks at Braden and goes, "Braden, you gonna get Tannehill to work hard today?" And walked away. That was it. He, <laughs> with me in earshot, and I'm like, "Coach, like I've been your starter for three years. Like I've made some plays for you, man." Oh, and so he, uh, that was his way of motivating motivating me for that day. Which he's he's a master motivator. He he knows what gets uh, what gets under your skin, and I'm I'm. Fairly certain I had a pretty good practice that day. Always unfulfilled expectations, weren't they? Yeah. Now, nothing was ever quite good enough, which is a good trait if you're a football coach. Yeah, and, you know, for Coach Snyder, you know, when you're at practice, he never talks. The only thing he talks to is his little silver recorder. If I could get my hands on those recorders to actually see what he said, I mean, those would be gold mines. You could write – so many books off just probably that recorder. Now all of them probably wouldn't be good, but and you always knew if you did something wrong because if you missed a block or missed a pass and you turn around and you saw Coach Schneider and you saw his hand come up and onto the recorder, you knew he was probably talking about you. So after the big or after the 2003 Big 12 championship year, I was going into my redshirt freshman year, so I was going to be playing special teams at least. And you know, L had graduated, so Dylan was going to be our starting quarterback. Well, Dylan was also the starting holder the year before, and Coach doesn't like to have his starting quarterback be the starting holder. So they came up to me and was like, hey, you're going to do this. I'm like, okay. So we go over the first practice, first day of two-a-days. Um, Joe Reams, a kicker, obviously he's one of the best kickers in K-State history, and I couldn't do it to save my life. And I was dropping everything, couldn't figure out how to do it. Um, you know, and it's not like I had, had pretty good hands, so it's just a different type of – trait you have to learn or skill you have to learn to be a holder and I come off and I'm so mad and I throw the ball down I'm like I'm not doing this I just yell I'm not doing this I can hear him say not doing it I can't do it 
pulls me, he's like, son, come here. <laughs> pulls me over and goes, you're going to do it. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Ever since then, I was a holder for four years. I figured it out. So, you know, it's just not a lot of motivation there. Just, hey, you're doing this. Figure it out. And that's something you would do. I mean, there's, you know, we can get into the personal side of this, you know, of Coach Snyder if you want to do that now or if you want to go into it later. Um, you know, he was always somebody that cared for his players. It didn't matter what was going on in your life. Um, if there was something that you needed to talk to him about, you could always go into his, in his office, better check with Joanne first yeah. mm -hmm. um, to make sure that he's available or not doing something, sleeping. I don't know <laughs> what he would be doing. But he actually does do that. Yeah, in his office he does because that's the only place where he would be most of the time. So, um, you know, I left case. Obviously, I graduated K-State in 2007, and, you know, I didn't have Coach Schneider for the last two years. Hadn't seen or really spoken to him for a long time. Uh, about four or five years ago, my sister passed away, and I got a handwritten letter from Coach Schneider about my sister. How he found out my sister passed away, I have no idea. I don't know if it somehow got back to him through Sean or, you know, if they check the news <laughs> to see if there's anything that goes on with former players, um, families within that. But this, there's little things like that that he just reaches back out to you. Um, just recently, in the last couple of years, I got a picture frame sent to me. It said, hey, Marcus, this was up in the office, and I don't know if it was the old veneer before they built a new one. Um, thought you'd like to have it. It was me walking down on senior day. Even though he wasn't the coach at the time, he still sent it to me. So, you know, he still cares for you even after you're gone. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one thing that you don't see a lot from coaches. Most players go away. Coaches, yeah, they'll say hi to you if you come around, but they don't reach out to you to see how you're doing or if something goes wrong with you and your family, reach out to you to make sure that everything's okay. If there's anything you need from him, let him know. Tough to play for, but it was never a football factory, was it? I mean, he wanted to win. He wanted to win. But at the end of the day, he wanted you to be a good person. No, I agree 100%. You know, even from the recruiting um, process, I remember um, when Coach recruited me and the first time he came to my home, and Dana Demo recruited the Dallas area. So Dana came to my high school, and he was looking at myself and another guy from my high school the first time. And then um, as he got closer, Coach Snyder came back. And it's one of those things where um, it came between Texas Tech, K-State, and Colorado. And my mom, I asked my mom, I said, what do you think? She goes, I want you to go to K-State. And, and I kind of basically asked her why. And she goes, you know, Coach Snyder, I'm impressed with him. And he maybe said three words about football the entire time he sat on my couch. And everything else is about being becoming a man and being a better person. And she goes, that left a lasting impression on her. And, you know, when Mama speak, I listen. You know, and so and so and 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 she made the right choice for me, and and obviously I had something to do with it as well. But it definitely was the right choice. No matter how hard it is to play for Bill Snyder, and we we know it's hard. I mean, the demands in time and energy are just and classroom work. He doesn't let you up off the mat on that one either. At the end of the day, as you get further away from your career, and Tannehill, you're the youngest guy here in this little round table. You get it, don't you? Yeah, everything you went through kind of gets into perspective as you get older and you're like, oh, yeah, I get this now. And and it all, no matter what your profession is, it pays off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think probably the biggest, you know, it might take me two, three, four years after after graduating when I figured it, it was, it was the idea that Coach Schneider, no matter what happened on the field, 
we were going to work hard. And that was the expectation, no matter what, whether we won two games or ten games, we were going to work hard. And as you transition into life, that's kind of what you start to realize. Like, you have to, if you even want a fighting chance to be successful in the business world, corporate world, with your spouse, anything, you have to work hard. And so that really changed my, you know, looking back, like, man, Coach knew that this life, it's it's hard work. And to even, and just because you work hard doesn't guarantee you your success. And you have to have some other, you know, traits and attributes that go into that. But you, you don't even have a chance if you don't know how to work hard. So really, he has probably taught, you know, 100 guys um, or, you know, 50, you know, 30, 40 guys per senior class per year, you know, for the last 27 years. I mean, that's, he's had an impact on so many guys who will then, um, you know, relay that message to, to our sons and daughters and, and just the amount of impact he's had um, on how to create, you know, turning 18-year-old immature boys into 22-year-old men by the time they're out of there. It's really been remarkable. Just keep grinding. That's, you know, from the outside perspective, I've learned that from you. you just keep going no matter what's, all you can do. what's happening. You just keep going. Well, I'm Tim Fitzgerald. This is the Powercat Podcast. We're going to take one more small break here with our player panel, Marcus Watts, Travis Tannehill, and Monty Spiller here on the Powercat Podcast, sponsored by Fred's Wholesale Liquor and Robbins Motor Company. The gang will return with more of the Powercat Podcast. Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat offers a wide selection of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at competitive prices in the Manhattan, Topeka, Emporia, and Junction City, Kansas areas. Be sure to check out Robbins' new vehicle inventory, where you will find the most popular models from iconic brands such as Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Or if you're looking to save by purchasing a pre-owned vehicle, Robbins has an updated stock of used cars in excellent condition. No matter what you are looking for, the team at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will help you get behind the wheel of your dream car. And K-State fans, visit the Robbins location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the Powercat Pregame Podcast. Back to Fitz on the Power Camp Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Welcome to this special edition of the Power Camp Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald with a player panel, so to speak. Marcus Watts, Travis Tannehill, and Monty Spiller as we cover Snyder 1.0, Snyder 2.0, and uh, Snyder Middle. You're Snyder Middle, Marcus Watts. Snyder Middle and end. And <laughs> and Ron Prince, but we don't really like to say that. This is the most the words Ron Prince have been spoken in this office in a long time. Yeah. Except in, on the podcast when you used to get questions all the time. When I used to get questions, but I don't do the podcast anymore, so questions Yeah, we fired you. We fired you. I Actually, fired myself. Exactly, you did. Uh, we're going to bring this to uh, a little conclusion here, and I I, I just kind of want some final thoughts from you guys. This is a this has been a weird day. It's been a weird day for me. I knew it was coming. I had stuff written. We had stuff prepared. Riley had the retirement story written, um, and we put it out on the site. And still, Mark alluded to this. It's melancholy, man. Mm. I, I, you know, I thought it was time. I, I don't know if we all agreed on that, but it felt like it was time. It just the, the program needed to make the transition, and still, 
you're kind of sick about it. Yeah. And you're kind of sick that it went down this way. It didn't. I wanted him to go out in 2012, Travis, or 13 or 14 with Lockett and just, you know, kind of on an up note. And if you look from 14, it started tracking down. Uh, and it's kind of unwound. But, Monty, let's just start with you. Your, your final thoughts on, on Bill Snyder, what he's meant to you, and uh, what are your thoughts at this time? You know, um, as far as a coach, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, obviously, and, and, and uh, I feel fortunate and blessed to be a part of the program and, and be part of the um, the era that kind of started it, you know. It was one of those things where a lot of people um, asked me, you know, man, what was it like? And it's so many stories, but kind of like you just alluded to, you know, when the news broke and I saw the, the feeds coming up everywhere, and I felt like it was time to, and, and, and I think for coach's sake, because he deserves – to go out on top in my in my opinion but it was time but it's still it's still kind of weird you know tomorrow morning I'm gonna wake up and I see stories and 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 it's like it's gonna be a reality and I think um not really fear but anxious to see what happens next you know but uh I hope coach understands and knows that he's loved uh in Manhattan Kansas the state of Kansas you know in the college football world he's done so much but kind of what uh Tannehill said earlier you know He's taught me so much as a man. You know, uh, the work I do day to day as a father, a husband, the things I do in the community, he instilled in me that hard work does pay off. And uh, looking back on it, man, those three-hour practices, uh, those eight, eight, and eights, those um, detailed itineraries when you're traveling, and he make you think you have time off. In reality, you have 30 minutes off over the weekend. You look back and you're thankful for it. You're thankful for so you know the man is loved on so many levels, but um, I'm I'm fortunate to be part of it and and wouldn't change a thing. Travis, and final thoughts from you? Yeah, I mean, uh, very similar feelings. I mean, it's it's still just kind of surreal. I, I also think it was time. I thought maybe it was even you know could have been hindsight's twenty twenty, but maybe a year late. Um, but it's just so hard for him, and it's I still think he can coach. I still think he can surround himself with a good group of people. But it's just got to be so hard for a 79-year-old man to relate to a 17-year-old kid. Um, and that's not any knock against him. That's just the way the world works. Reality. And and as much you can only take, you know, C players to B players or A- minus players, and we need some more A players out there. So, uh, unfortunately, that's the reality. And I think he's uh, – he showed a lot to me stepping down because I do think he, he – he, deep down – I mean, these head coaches – to be successful in that industry, they have to be almost overly confident. I mean, they have to believe they can do it and they're the best person for the job. And, and he is wise enough to listen to some uh, trusted people around him and say, you know you know what, maybe I'm not the best for this, this job anymore and I love this university enough um, that I'm going to step down, even though he might think that he's still the best for the job. Um, so – I really enjoyed today. Um, out on social media, there was the thanks bill kind of hashtag going around, seeing some a bunch of my former players speak up, um, seeing a bunch of fans speak up, and just telling stories and memories um, of you know the, the three decades that he's been here. It's been remarkable. Um, it's been a fun ride. Uh, I was you know very thankful and very blessed to be a part of it for four years, and wouldn't change it for the world. And made some of my best friends. So um, you know I owe I owe him you know the reason I'm living in Manhattan, Kansas today. So I owe him a lot and. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a fun ride, but definitely, uh, you know, excited and optimistic for, for the next chapter for Kansas State football. And Marcus? Yeah, kind of hard to follow what these guys said. I mean, they've pretty much touched all the points. I mean, you know, I thank Coach Schneider to all be, you know, he gave me a chance from, you know, small town in Kansas, wasn't highly re recruited. 
um, and he gave me an opportunity, which he's done for a lot of players in Kansas and even, you know, like a Dalton Reisner out of Colorado. Small school, gave him a chance, believed in him, um, you know, and then instilled the work ethic that I needed to be able to be successful at the level. Um, you know, he's going to be missed, um, that's for sure. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's somebody that's meant a lot to this university. Um, Manhattan would not be what it is today if it wasn't for Coach Schneider. Um, the state of Kansas wouldn't have some of the things that it has be if it weren't for Coach Schneider. You know, a lot of the stuff he has done behind the scenes that aren't football-related with the leadership. Um, you know, K-State has one of the best leadership programs in the country, and a lot of that has to do with Coach Schneider. Um, you know, they had the, you know, he donated a lot of money to build up the equestrian um, thing here, and now they don't have it anymore. But there's just so many things. He's touched so many people's lives in ways that he probably doesn't even really know. Um, you know, just just by what he did at Kansas State and the success that he brought uh, to this university. So, um, I, you know, obviously he's 79, his time's up. We know that there's no chance for him to come back like the first time there was always that chance. Um, and so it, it's, it's kind of a sad day, um, but it's also a day that, you know, people can look back and celebrate what he has actually accomplished over the last 30 years. 30 years and two days since he was announced as Kansas State's football coach. Nobody knew who Bill Snyder was, and now the whole world of college football knows Bill Snyder's name. Guys, thanks a lot. This was great. We could have gone on a lot longer, but we're actually doing this kind of late at night, and you all have regular jobs. I don't. I have this show around here. <laughs> you got to go see Big Hero 6 tomorrow. Yeah, I've got a little radiation in the morning, so i got that booked. But uh, let's try to do something like this again. This was fun. It's fun. This is the Powercat Podcast sponsored by The Fridge. Robin's Motor, and uh, of course we will be back this week with our regular podcast. Right, Riley Gates? He said, mm-hmm. We'll talk to you later. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.